Hey guys, we're coming back at you with a new bonus episode. For anyone new here, we are a group of teens that believe every single person's impact matters, and we started a podcast to tell them. Welcome back to the Universal Impact Sister episodes, where we go into the detail that time wouldn't allow in our main podcast series. This bonus episode is continuing off of what we learned in the agriculture recording. So if you haven't listened to it yet, I recommend doing so since we'll be drawing off of what we learned. Okay, let's dive in. As we learned in the last session of Universal Impact, Monoculture is when a single crop is cultivated in an area. This can lead to problems with soil and wildlife, as messing with natural diversity always weakens the environment in some way. However, another problem with monoculture we weren't able to thoroughly get into was diseases. See, when there's only one plant being raised in an area, it's very easy for a disease to attack said area and wipe out the entire crop. This has easily ruined many farms, and the most notable example of this is bananas. Warning, here's the part where I go bananas on history. Bananas are a very popular fruit. Roughly 10 billion pounds of them have been imported to the U.S. every year since 2013. Most notably is the Cavendish banana, which makes up about 99% of the entire banana trade, despite there being over 1,000 kinds. Yes, that is correct. 99% of our banana economy hinges on one type of banana. Oh, and that economy, by the way, is not small. Bananas, though cheap, or perhaps because they are cheap, make the export industry about $8 billion a year. Back to the Cavendish bananas, it makes sense that, since we export so many of them, we need a lot of banana plants. However, that's a little harder than your backyard bushes. See, the few seeds that are in a Cavendish banana are sterile. That means what little seeds they have are not viable, they can't produce any banana plants. How, you may be wondering, do we still have bananas? Clones. Yes, all the Cavendish bananas we eat are related, and we have been eating their family since the 1960s. Theoretically, clones are brilliant. Each plant is identical, so the farmers know exactly when to pick them, plant them, what kind of environment they like, and how to care for all their needs. Economically, cloned bananas are also brilliant. They will ripen at the same time, taste the same, and look the same. There's no room for error or complaint. Well, except for in reality. While the identical Cavendish bananas are easy to grow and predict, they all also have the same weaknesses. The most prominent weakness is to a strain of fungus called Fusarium oxysporum cubin. For those of you wanting to fact check me, its common name is Tropical Race 4 and the Banana Pandemic. This fungus lives in the soil and saps out all the nutrients and water, effectively both starving and dehydrating the plants. If you can see where I'm going with this, raise your hand. These identical bananas that make up 99% of all our exported bananas are all susceptible to the same fungus disease. It's the ultimate monoculture, because the one main type of bananas that we are steadily growing and exporting are also all genetically identical. The Cavendish banana as we know and love is on the road to getting wiped out. But surely there's a way to save them. Has this happened before? Do we have the means to stop this? Yes, and kind of. Once upon a time, at the very beginning of banana popularity, was a banana plant called the Gros Michel. This plant produced bananas that are creamier and sweeter than the bland Cavendish we know today, and soon climbed to great popularity heights. Most notably, Guatemala was one of the biggest producers of Gros Michel. In the 1950s, the banana revenues were twice that of the other domestic produce in the whole country of Guatemala. The first railway in Guatemala, in fact, was useless for the people and excellent at transporting bananas. The company running this banana bonanza exercised complete control over their workers, such as where they lived and what they did. Unsurprisingly, everyone in the business focused on getting money from the bananas that were selling rather than try to diversify their types of banana in case tragedy struck. Tragedy could not keep away, and Tropical Race 1, the original strain of Fusarium oxysporum cubans, struck the Gromichelle plants and wiped them out. They are extinct now, and the fungus has lived in their soil for decades. That means that even if we did have any Gromichelle plants left, we wouldn't be able to plant them. 
Fast forward a bit and the export industry realized Cavendish bananas are immune to tropical race one. They made it the new banana, have not branched out, and we are on the brink of a banana crisis yet again. This time though, there's no other banana plant that will truly be able to take the place of our beloved fruit. The only solution yet found is to make the Cavendish resistant to the deadly fungus. However, while there has been success in decreasing or even eradicating the susceptibility to fusarium, there are still issues. Namely, the bananas are genetically modified with genes that are resistant to the tropical race. These said genes can come from another type of banana, which is very small and hard to eat as each fruit can have upwards of 60 seeds, or genes from roundworms. Genetically modified anything tends to naturally raise a few concerns, for good reason, so any modified bananas would have to pass through stringent testing to make sure its consumption was safe. Then, it would have to face a world that would decide whether or not to be Cavendish bananaless. So that's the situation. Not very appealing, is it? We need change, ingenuity, and above all, patience if we want to keep bananas accessible. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this monoculture mega monologue, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Never forget, change starts with you.